How's it going, Nashville? This is the Nashville Fitness Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Chris Beavers, where we will unpack all things health and wellness. We will clear up common myths, highlight amazing fitness opportunities, and bring you guys the best information about health here in the great city of Nashville. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Today I'm hanging out with Dr. Brandon Reed. Uh, he's a chiropractor over at Spine and Sport Rehabilitation Institute in the uh, Brentwood Cool Springs area. Brandon, thanks so much for hanging out with us today, man. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Dude, it's gonna be a fun. Uh, it's gonna be a fun conversation. We got a lot of good things on board today. You know, we're we're gonna discuss this kind of separation between a good chiropractor and a bad chiropractor. I, I get that question a lot. You know, from my patients. You know, what do you think about chiropractors? And I'm like, I say the same thing about. Chiropractors that do PTs, there's some really good ones and there's some really bad ones out there. And so, man, looking forward to getting your story a little bit and uh, kind of what you what you guys do uh, over at your clinic. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you became a chiropractor and all those good things. Yeah, so if you want to go uh, way, way back, uh, this all kind of started when I worked a database entry job with my dad. Oh, that sounds so boring. He, he, yeah, so he did some video production stuff at a architecture and engineering firm in Kansas City. And he got me a job, you know, $10 an hour, which was good pay for high school kids. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't uh, that up in high school. But, but what it was, was I was locked in this video vault. And it literally was a, was a cage. Barred, it had like bars on the doors. And I was sitting there and I would pick up a tape and I would say, okay, here's this project. Here's the video number. And I was typing it into an Excel database. That sounds horrible. And I did that for two summers. How? And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. And my dad, you know, if you go back and ask him about it, he's like, "Oh, I almost fired you so many times." <laughs> and I probably, you know, I couldn't blame him if he did. But uh, at that point, I had realized what I didn't want to do. Oh, absolutely. And that was sit behind a desk, work at a computer all day, uh, database entry, any anything like that. Mm. So from there, it was um, it was on to undergrad, and I had always been into like health, fitness, nutrition type stuff. So I got a got a kinesiology and nutrition degree okay, cool. at, at K-State. Uh, from there, I was a little unsure of what I wanted to do with any of that, uh, just because I could see myself in many different roles sure. involving that stuff. So I had, I had shouted a bunch of people, PTs, chiropractors, PAs, dietitians, um, and one of the chiropractors that I had shadowed, you know, just kind of sold me on it. He said, listen, my favorite thing about, about doing this kind of work is that I see a new patient every... 15 to 30 minutes, you know, an hour, which means I get to have a new conversation. Uh, and I view it like every new patient is a new puzzle. Yeah. And so it's a great description. Yeah. And so he was like, if two people come in, point to the same exact spot on their body and they say, this hurts, there could be two completely different reasons for why it hurts. There could be two completely different treatments that you need to use on those people. Mm. They can respond in two completely different ways. Yeah, um, that's spot on. So, I, I see that all the time, right? Like people all the time. Oh, give me an exercise for this, and you're like, dude, you could, you know, one exercise isn't going to necessarily solve this. I could have 15 of you, same age, same lifestyle, and and all of you're going to respond differently. So I love love what you said there. That's cool. Yeah. Keep on. So so had uh, so had this this conversation and then then where'd you leave from there? So yeah. that sold you. Yeah. So there I was like, okay, well that doesn't sound too bad. Let's uh, let's let's go on and try to be a chiropractor. So from there I went to uh, back to Kansas City, where I was doing uh, I was at Cleveland Chiropractic College, mm -hmm. um, and so there was uh, three and a half years there and uh, over five hundred hours of continuing education seminars and while while Ooh. in school. That's and, a lot, man. Yeah. That is a, that's a lot. I mean, because most continuing ed classes, 
in our world, and uh, she took some similar classes. What, like 15 hours probably for a weekend, give or take? So, yeah, yeah. So that's a lot. 15 to 25. That's a um, lot of classes, man. So, yeah, we, we really racked them up. We had a, a group of students that traveled everywhere together around the country and taken, taken all the same classes. Um, yeah, that's great, man. I love I love the hunger for, for the knowledge uh, early on. That's that's huge. And it really just helps shape your your clinical decision-making, and that's obviously probably what you know, makes our clinical practice probably more similar than different in many cases and, yeah. and kind of has made you a, a good chiropractor in, in this area. So, so man, when a lot of classes and then what else? Uh, from there I had, I was kind of just finishing up school and I had met um, my now boss, Dr. Audrey Lance. We had met at a continuing ed seminar in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, I had, I had grown up in Kansas City and, you know, been, been in Kansas my whole life. And she uh, mentioned that she was looking to hire somebody started 2019 and, and so I said well yeah let's let's change things up let's go down to Nashville and see what it's all about see if I like her practice and from there it was uh, came down and shadowed and really liked it so I did my preceptorship with her finished up school uh, started practice yeah that's great that's great so I mean you, you were pretty fortunate I mean it's a, it's a great practice uh, uh, you know I know some of these chiropractic offices can be just it's like a factory, you know, like some of these PT practices as well. It's like you're in and out. You got 800 people running around. So you guys have been working together for a while now. You work with a lot of great athletes in the city, and, and uh, kind of walk us through some of the great things that y'all are doing uh, in your practice now. Yeah. So Audra has been um, open for about six and a half years now. Yeah, good. Um, I've, I've been on on for the last two. And so like a lot of what we do, the way I kind of describe the way that we practice as chiropractors is a hybrid chiropractor and physical therapist at the same time. Yeah. We, um, obviously, people know chiropractic, and, and the first thing they associate with that is the adjustment. Yep. Um, or the, the you know joint manipulation. But we uh, we love and we pride ourselves on having a big toolbox. Yep. You know because if, if people don't want that adjustment, if they're uncomfortable with that treatment, then what, what else you got? Yeah. It's seriously. Um, so we we do all sorts of things. We uh, we do a lot of dry needling. We do. Uh, a lot of hands-on soft tissue work, yep. uh, and then we, we get into quite a bit of uh, exercise type stuff too. Uh, we don't have a gym at the clinic, but we do um, we do a lot of body weight stuff and, great. and a lot of you know start start loading people right away. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, to have that diverse skill set, and it's it's so important. Um, it's tough when somebody comes in and and they're like you said they're fearful of an adjustment. You know, maybe their friend drug them to to a chiropractor, and then they're going to put them on the table and, and sit and just adjust their back and set them up for, you know, they've got all these misbeliefs and, and, and they're not happy about that idea anyways. And to force somebody into that, I think is just a terrible idea. You know, it's like, I think that's probably why, you know, some of our professions have gotten bad raps, you know, between PTs and chiros of like, oh, I'm just gonna go in and crack my back and send me on my way or on our end, it's like, oh, we're just gonna do a bunch of exercise that's kind of dumb that I can do on my own at home, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's so, uh, the PT the PT stereotype is three sets of 10? Yeah, three sets of 10 for everybody, right? <laughs> right, hey, right. Here, here's, here's, this, here's this band and uh, you're gonna do this weird band exercise, three sets of 10 for the next uh, for the next six to eight weeks, which is also ridiculous, yeah. you know? So I love that you guys have this diverse set of toolbox and, and you know, we've had a lot of conversations about y'all's clinical practice and. I think it's it's spot on. You guys got exactly what you need in order to get a patient better. Because not every patient's going to respond the same way. Not every patient's going to need the same stuff. Hey, maybe they don't need an aggressive adjustment. Maybe they need some more stabilization work or exercise. Or maybe they do need an adjustment because that's what's going to help make them better. And to be able to have all those tools, I think, is what separates 
someone who maybe is not as good at the as a chiropractor or PT or someone who does know what they're doing. So what is it that a chiropractor even actually does, right? So, you know, if somebody hasn't been to a chiropractor before, like what would you say, hey, this is what we do? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and also maybe a loaded question. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a loaded question. So as far as um, types of chiropractors, there's a, an entire spectrum and there's just sure. as many subspecialties and, and interests as, um, you know, as, as any medical provider or any other physical therapist. You know, yeah, there is, especially um, in our field too. The, just like there are uh, physical therapists like you who, who really like the weightlifting or the meathead type stuff, yep. there are people who deal with pelvic floor issues. Yeah. There are people who deal only in, you know, they kind of specialize and geek out about the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, it's about the same way with chiropractors. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's again, pelvic floor people, there's exercise people, there's, um, you know, some, some chiropractors are, are radiologists, chiropractic radiologists. So they sit there and they specialize in reading x-rays, reading imaging. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's even functional medicine chiropractors. Yep. So doing a lot of, um, nutrition stuff, blood work. That, that type of stuff. But as far as like most chiropractors, um, in general, we're just, you know, musculoskeletal providers. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously our, our emphasis and our origin is, is with treating the spine. Sure. Um, but anymore, you know, we've, we've branched out in every, every other sort of direction. Um, you know, and so we kind of specialize in these joint fixations. That's kind of, kind of our bread and butter. Um, but like I said, we, we exist on a spectrum and, and you can get just about anything and everything, depending on, on where you go, what their philosophy is, what yeah. their interests are. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely why that's a little bit of a loaded question. Yeah, it, it's tough, I, I think, for uh, any outsider, right? Because you may not know, too, because you, you look at any, any chiropractor or PT's website and you're just like, oh, they do all these things and they fix all these things and you're like, uh, you can go to one guy and get one piece of advice. You can go to a different PT and get a different piece of advice based on their training and how they, they operate. Man, it, it'd be a confusing world as a consumer to try to understand you know, what's a good chiropractor, what's a good PT, or somebody that works better for you. I can't imagine trying to understand all Because, I, I mean, even me being a medical provider, like, I didn't even know some of the things that you said about you know, chiropractic radiology. And obviously, I knew about some of the functional med stuff, but it's like, who knows, you know? I don't know how, how the average person figures out. Yeah, and so there's there's kind of a, a joke that you'll hear is like you know a, about a condition. So let's say low back. You you know yeah. uh, one one chiropractor or one patient presents with a low back issue. If you ask ten chiropractors, you'll get eleven opinions. Yeah. Oh, same thing in PT. You'll get eleven different opinions as to what's causing it. Uh, I, you could honestly probably argue the same thing in some orthopedic specialties as well. You know, some might have more of a, a mechanical diagnosis by looking at X-ray or imaging and those kind of things. You might get somebody to say, "Oh, you just strained your low back," and sends you on your way. It's tough as as patients to, uh, you know, when you get these ten different opinions, it's like, all right, what's right and what's not right, and I'm not feeling better. What do I do? Uh, I, I don't know how someone you know gets through that. So, you know, shifting gears a little bit, I know heavy, heavy in some chiropractic school of thought is, is this idea, or even patients think this too, right? You know, my, my low back hurts, you know, potentially my, my hips might be out of a line or, or, hey, I need to go get an adjustment in an attempt to put myself back into alignment. What's kind of your, your school of thought on that? Obviously, uh, I know there's so many different schools of thought on, on this idea, but how, how do you, I don't know, how do you, how do you deal with some of that? Yeah, how so, do you talk through some of that? So, my school thought as far as as far as that stuff goes, um, what I've seen is that there's there's kind of less and less prevailing evidence for this what, what we call 
the bone out of place model. Right. Right. So people think, uh, you know, my back went out. And, and one thing that I say when I'm, when I'm messing around with people, I go, well, where'd it go? <laughs> right. Uh, so, I love so it. People, yeah, people, it's people like your refrigerator's think, running. <laughs> yeah. People tend to think that, you know, that these, these joints and these bones move around and they shift. Um, and, and kind of what we've seen from some imaging studies and, and some functional MRI stuff is that, um, you know, there's fractions of millimeters of yeah. these bones moving. Um, and there's, so, so what I found is that that's, that's simply not true. You know, yeah. bones, bones don't go anywhere. What happens in my mind is that um, something, so right, we, it's, it's hard to It's hard to know, yeah. It's never one thing, right? But um, muscles lock down on joints. Yeah. Joints lock down and cause, uh, joints get, you know, some weird aberrant motion in the brain says, hey, let's lock that down. Let's yeah. cause the muscles to lock down. As a protective and from mechanism. there, as a protective mechanism. And then from there we get um, just aberrant joint movement. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically what I tell people that I'm doing, I'm not moving bones, I'm not putting anything back in place, I'm finding sticky spots, and I'm, yeah. I'm just putting a little bit more force in there to get them unlocked. Yeah, and I think that's a good description, right? I, I think the idea that a joint is out of place makes a, it makes patients kind of powerless a little bit, right? Because you're like, oh man, something went out of place again, I better not move and, until I go get a fix for it. And it doesn't put it into the patient's hands of like, all right, like I'm not broken. Because I get some patients who say that too, like, oh man, I think something's out of line or, you know, something's not feeling right. And it's like, I like to paint the description of like, hey, if you've, if I, if you dislocated your shoulder or dislocated your, your finger, like that would really hurt, wouldn't it? Like you would be in so much pain, you, you couldn't do anything. Now some people are in a lot of pain, but yeah. most of the time they're not in so much pain. They're like, oh my gosh, get me to the ER immediately, right? And so I like to paint that picture of like, hey, stuff just doesn't come out of a line. There's so many muscles and so many ligaments and so many tendons that surround your spine or any other joint in your body. We're not that, you know, we're not that fragile. I mean, if that was the case, if stuff just went in and out of line all the time, it's like walking down my stairs, you know, my knee would go pop out of socket and hip would pop out of socket or low back. Right. And it's like, that just doesn't happen. That's not the reality of the world we live in, you know? Yeah, that's, um, that's constantly part of what we try to harp on is like listen you're these these bodies we've been put in are not fragile no not at all uh they they have some times where they can get more fragile sure. right we need to we need to uh, get some help you know whether that's a chiropractor a pt massage therapist whatever you need to get you back to to being a little less sensitive to any movement that we're doing but my God, there's people out here deadlifting 700 pounds. Right. There's people um, running marathons. Yeah. You know, or or marathon after marathon, right? Seriously. So like these uh, um, bodies weren't made to be just like fragile things where one thing goes out of alignment, you know, up yeah. a few millimeters, and it's <laughs> causing this immense, tremendous amount of pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that that it that it is kind of a <laughs> kind of a fragile mindset. Yeah. It is, and it's. I couldn't imagine walking around fearful that something's gonna go out all the time. It's like driving an old car. It's like, oh gosh, I hope this thing starts. You know what I mean? It's like our right. bodies are not that fragile. Uh, at, at the end of the day, and I, I don't like that that some providers put that fear into patients uh, a little bit, and almost a dependency on them long term to to be set up. Right? Anybody that's dependent on a provider for weeks and months on end, I think, is is also a problem. Yeah, and so that's that's part of where a lot of the exercise stuff that we're doing is is so crucial for us is you know while you may need help to unlock those those uh, joints those segments that are that are a little bit locked up uh, once we get that motion in there I want you to then be able to, to keep that motion in there 
And, yeah. And so like that's where a lot of the McKinsey stuff that we talked about is is these repeated joint movements. So like you may have a sticky uh, TL junction. I go in there and I unlock it with you know with a little bit more increased force, and then I'm sending you home with press ups, and then just kind of keep that nice and loose. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and then you got tools to to manage some of this through throughout. You know, it's like I don't ever want to bring somebody in, work on them on a table, and say. Yeah, let's hook you up with an ice pack and, and some a tinge unit and, and then uh, and then send you on your way and keep you coming back forever and ever, amen. It's like, dude, that's a problem. Like, there needs to be an active piece to it. I think the manual therapy stuff is super effective, right? I use it just as much as you guys do, but it can't be the only tool in the toolbox because, gosh, we don't live on a table, right? We, we live in motion, and if we're not teaching you to move more efficiently, then what the heck are we doing? Yeah, and so that's, uh, you know, so many... As chiropractors, our, our profession started as this alternative to, to drugs and, and basically allopathic medicine. Right. And, and so we're kind of, we kind of still have these, these roots in um, not being so supportive of people taking pain pills, right? Sure. That's kind of a thing that a lot of people push. You shouldn't be on pain pills all the time. And, and I, while I agree with that, you know. Um, they're, they're necessary sometimes, but yeah, I, I think we need a way around the pain pills. But if you're adjusting someone or if you're doing some, any type of manual therapy treatment and you're not in, then empowering that patient to take care of themselves and sending them home with tools, you're just as bad as the pain pill. Dude, seriously, you know I mean? yeah, exactly, right? I, and I didn't even think about it that way. Dude, that, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's just a, a, a manual therapy form of a pain pill. You just walked in, took your medicine, and then you walked out the door and you're going to do it again forever and ever. Right. It's like... Dude, that's a a major issue. That should be a red flag to people, but but you know, some people just continually uh kind of kind of make that happen. So um yeah, dude, that's, it's crazy to me that, that people do that. And uh, and then you know we're talking about passive treatments alone. It's like, dude, as much as I, heat and ice can be effective, but heat and ice isn't gonna completely fix your issue. People ask me that all the time. Yeah, should I heat or should I ice? And I'm like. Yeah, you could do some of that, but like I don't have it in my clinic. I'm not going to sit and hook somebody up and waste 20 minutes of their time doing that. Right. You can do that on your own time <laughs> while you're watching TV. It's like we want to be able to teach you to move and, and, and teach you to, to do whatever activity that you're trying to get back to doing. Yeah, that's that's something that we um, you know we obviously get that question a lot too. Well, well when I go home, what should I should I heat this or ice it? And, and my thing that I always say is like, that's out of my hands. I'm going to leave that up to you. Whatever yeah. you find to be more helpful. The one thing I want you doing is the exercise that I just yeah. described. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, listen, you can go home and drink a fifth of whiskey if that makes you feel better. <laughs> you can uh, you can roll up a joint. You can yeah, do what you need to do. use ice, whatever else you want to do. I'm just like, just do the one thing that I'm asking you to do, which is, which is going to be a movement-based exercise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I tell that to people all the time. It's like, I don't care who you go see, you know, from a provider standpoint. Sure, I'd love for you to be in my, my clinic because I think we do good work uh, or any of the other people, like, you know, seeing you guys as well. But it's like, I don't care what you do so long as, as somebody is, is empowering you to get back to your activity and they're not telling you to stop doing something. Because I see that out of both of our professions a lot too is, oh, you got back pain with deadlifts? Well, deadlifts are kind of dangerous, man. Like, you should stop doing those. And you're like, dude, like, that's worthless advice. Like you could have done that without coming to see any of us. Right. You know, sitting at home, uh, you're sitting at home not getting medical advice. You're not doing deadlifts, so why go see anybody for them to tell you to do the same thing? It's like find a new <laughs> provider like yesterday. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and that's um, that's one thing that we always kind of try to focus on too is not taking people out of the things that they love to do. 
Yeah. And uh, and I think you had a, even an Instagram post about that. You know the the social component of pain. Huge. So if somebody is a is a tennis player, they're in a tennis club. They every Tuesday they meet up with their with their friends and they they play tennis and they're having some sort of shoulder pain or whatever that's then taking them out of that. Uh, they're gonna be in this weird downward spiral where like they're they can't play tennis, which means they don't get to see their friends which means they're not having good, positive social interaction, and then that pain only gets worse for them. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so one of our things that we're constantly working on is, is uh, getting people back as, as in any capacity to whatever they enjoy doing. So again, if, it's, if we wanna go with the tennis example, it's like, can you show up, you know, we might not be able to have you run in match after match, like, you know, four matches in a row, but can you show up and warm up and hang out with your friends? Can you, you know, can you shag balls for them or whatever, you know, uh, getting people into those social situations and working them slowly back towards their activities that they love to do, I think is, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to, again, it comes back to empowering patients as opposed to just leaving them as these fragile beings who can't ever get better. As long as you're we're bridging the gap and, and helping them, you know, helping them get back to their activities, I think that's what is a good provider from a bad provider, right? There's so there's a lot of good ones in the city, but if someone's if someone's shutting you down from activity, dude, please go find somebody else. Oh, yeah. They're they're gonna help you get to where you want to go long term. So that kind of segues into you know I know a lot of uh, I think a lot just the healthcare system in, in general in, in America, people are obsessed with getting images, right? My back hurts, I need to get an X-ray, or oh my back hurts, I better get an MRI or my shoulder or whatever it might be. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I know you guys don't don't use imaging, but but some people will use imaging in a in a negative way as well, right? They'll say, oh oh, your back looks like the back of a ninety year old, right? Like I, I'm gonna need to see you three times a week forever to continue to adjust this. So I'd love if you guys spoke a little bit on your yeah. expertise for some of that. Yeah. So um, there are some chiropractic techniques and and um, things out there that that heavily have a heavy emphasis in imaging, taking sure. x-rays in particular, and looking at these static positions, and, and again, kind of looking for these uh, you know, bones that are out of place. Right. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll bring patients in, and they, they commonly they x-ray regularly. So you know, a lot of places will x-ray you on day one, yep. and then they'll x-ray you five visits down the road, yep. or six, you know, however many visits, but they'll, they'll kind of x-ray people, image people regularly. And, and, you know, we don't use that technique. We, um, you know, again, we kind of just think that joints get a little sticky, so we don't need to, to look at yeah. any, any still images. But I think that can be a huge thing for, for people to kind of look out for or be weary of is, is this, is, does this pain that I'm having warrant an x-ray? Yep. Um, and then, you know, obviously another thing that, that I think a lot of chiropractors will, will kind of use this for in a negative way is, is they'll take an x-ray, they'll mark it all up in front of the patient and they'll say, you know, look how crooked this is, look look how out of alignment this is. Yeah. People, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not even great at reading x-rays. Yeah. Uh, and, and we had many, many classes about reading <laughs> imaging in, in, in school, you know. It's a, an x-ray is a 2D image of 3D structures. And you do, yeah, hit the nail on the head there. So like, I mean, that's even confusing for me to conceptualize. Right. So I can only imagine what like some accountant sitting in sitting in this consult office yeah. is is thinking when they see somebody just draw up on these X-rays. Like, yeah, all these negative the common, things. The yeah. common person has no idea what they're looking at. 
Oh yeah, so it can Absolutely. easily it can easily be used as kind of a scare tactic to sure. scare people into care um, and make people think that that what they're dealing with is is far worse than what what it actually is. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is is problematic too because I, I know in, in the PT literature there's so much stuff that shows that dude, and finding on imaging doesn't always correlate with with someone's pain anyways, right? I mean, I've seen patient, I've seen some pretty what look like garbage X-rays or the the X-ray or MRI report reports all kinds of you know problem things per se but it's like that doesn't correlate with their pain like prime example like i had a guy uh i think he brought his mri report in and, and he was like man i got really bad back pain and i think the mri said that he had like the worst like age related or degenerative changes as they called it on the the findings at like l4 l5 or and 5s1 i think but his pain was like tl junction like much higher up than than what the mri said and somebody went through this MRI report and told them all these things. And so then this, this patient's fearful of movement, fearful that, hey, my back's never going to get better. When, when the image report didn't necessarily correlate with the patient's clinical exam, right? Yeah. And that's, that's been a, a, a big finding uh, here recently that's, you know, you see that all over social media is, is yeah. the, one, the asymptomatic or the pain-free people that they they then image just to kind of see what they see and they have huge herniated discs yeah they have ruptured uh you know ruptured tendons they have uh you know kind of like hanging on by a thread up in the rotator cuff or whatever uh but they're pain-free yeah and vice versa you get people who have this immense amount of low back pain you do an mri and it comes out clean yeah exactly Images, you know, if you're treating based on an image or, or your provider's doing that, it's like, again, fire that guy or girl and find another one, you know? Because I read a similar study. I think they did it in the most recent Olympic Games, and it was the same thing. I mean, it was like, I forget the exact percentage of me, but it was like 15, 20% of people had a bulging or herniated disc, and they correlated it back to the patient, and they're Olympic athletes. They were like, no, I feel great. I have no back pain. Yeah. And so, and, but, so I, I want to make it clear here for, for anybody listening that we do we do send out for imaging oh 100 uh it's just based on either like a one-time trauma so we had a girl just the other day uh took a bad barefoot skiing accident oh yikes and watching the video was was pretty gnarly oh she, she had the never, video if of it. you've oh. never seen barefoot skiing Ooh. it's kind of wild yeah it's uh, painful. nothing i ever care to wander into no so she took a bad fall and i was like okay well let's yeah. be safe here let's send you out for an x-ray yeah and then the other you know the other time that we'll send out for either x-ray mri type stuff is people that just don't respond to care. Yeah, exactly. Hey. So, you know, I have no issue if I've treated you for, for um, you know, a while and you are getting very, you're not, not getting the results that I want to yep. see. Um, and it is kind of that discogenic type pain. I'll send you out for an MRI. Oh, easy. Yeah. yeah, so will I. And from there, it's it's like, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I've, then, then we get a teammate in there, right? Of the, yeah. the ortho and, and, and it's like, hey, at this point, I've kind of thrown everything I got at this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is a surgical case or not? Yeah. Because um, again, looking at looking at MRIs, and I can't, I couldn't tell you if you're going to respond to to exercise or, or anything that I'm going to do. Like, I've seen, I've I've had people come in with big, big MRI findings, and yeah. they respond really well in four visits. Yeah, exactly. And other people that you know, we do eventually get to send them out for an MRI because they don't respond, and it's like a, it's barely a bulge. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and you want that certainty, and I'm the same way. I mean, we, we, we get taught, and you guys as well, I'm sure, on, hey, when is imaging appropriate, right? Somebody didn't respond to our care like we wanted them to, or, hey, we've got some major finding, like they had a major accident like water skiing or 
man, they've dropped a barbell on their head or something crazy. You know, it's like at those those are instances when an image is important to to us. But it's like sometimes it's just man, you did too much too fast. Like if you went out and ran, uh, you know. You, you say, hey, I'm going to run a mile, and then you ran three miles, and then you ran five miles, all in the matter of a week, and then you, you kept just ramping your mileage up? Yeah, of course you're probably going to have knee pain or low back pain or some of this other stuff. You just did too much too fast. I don't care what an image says, right? You don't need one. It's not going to yeah. change the way I treat. Uh, it's just it's tough seeing. Uh, I, I think patients get obsessed a little bit sometimes with wanting to see an image. Yeah, and it can, it can definitely become part of their identity. Yeah, right? spot uh, on. Patients, when they, when they have a structure or condition to blame a lot of times they carry that around like a weird badge of honor and i don't right. and i don't know why like it's it's hard for me to justify in my head um i'm, I'm relatively pain-free and I, I have no you know notable conditions or anything but they man you'll find some people that that you know oh i have a degenerative disc i have degenerative disc disease or yeah. i have a herniated disc and they and they like like that's a good thing almost yeah like yeah to you and and it's just like it's a it's a strange thing and and so I think what I deal with a lot of times too is people come in looking for an incident to blame, yeah, especially true. for like that general low back pain. So a lot of the stuff I do, like uh, the flexion intolerant back pain, yeah, and people will come in and they go, "Well, I didn't even do anything," hmm. and they're like, "This just started hurting when I bent over to tie my shoe," and they think, you know, they think it needs to be this one big time event, yeah. Like if you know if somebody has some back pain after deadlifting 500 pounds, you're like, oh, it's not oh, easy, yeah. not easy to see why you might have back yeah. pain. But if they had to bend down and tie their shoe one morning, then they're like, what the heck? Is that what I blame? Like that's <laughs> that's pretty innocuous. Yeah. Bending over to tie your shoe. That, I do it every day. Do it. Yeah. Um, and so there, I kind of have the chat with people like, listen, this wasn't that one thing. That just happened to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. So it's like, you know, I have these talks all the time. It's it's everything that was leading up to that moment. Yeah. Um, but people people still are are on the search for that one thing to blame, that yeah. one structure or that one incident to point to. Yeah. What are what are some of the things that you you would see you see in practice, and, and I, I can kind of weigh in on what we see a little bit as well. What are some things that you see that might precipitate an injury or lead into some of that a little bit? Uh, or factors. I mean, there's a million and one different things, but I mean, there's certainly some warning signs sometimes for, for folks. Yeah. So, so as chiropractors, our bread and butter is kind of low back pain, neck pain. Yeah. And, and I, if there's one thing I would, I would outlaw, I would make a law against, it would be sitting, sitting in a chair at a desk for longer than an hour. Yeah. To get up and do something. Um, yeah. So we just see so much of the, of the static position of these joints Yeah. that that people you know people build up so much time with their their spine rounded off mm -hmm. sitting in a chair in in flexion yeah um and then from there it's it's that's just that one small event so you built yeah. up so much time in that position yeah that you're you're doing these tiny little like what we want if we want to call micro traumas sure yeah and then you build up so many of those micro traumas and it's got to come to the level where like yeah. hey something something's about to give here yeah absolutely yeah, and I know from uh, other risk factors that like I commonly see too is is uh, we like to talk about sleep, nutrition, stress management with patients, right? Dude, if, if like you said, you're sitting all day, you're not you're never moving out of, out of a position, right? You've got these repeated kind of micro traumas, if you will. You haven't slept more than six hours. You're stressed out as crap, and you haven't had a vegetable in three weeks. It's like, dude, 
no, and, and you drink alcohol, you know, just about every day. It's like, dude, no wonder like everything hurts, right? Yeah. You're sitting in this inflammatory soup every day, yeah, and wondering why you have. So you know, I think that's a, obviously another important area to kind of look at. Uh, also, uh, it's not, you know, again, we, we think these innocuous events lead to it, but it's like, no, some of your lifestyle factors really feed into this dysfunction of why you have this pain, sure, or, or why this particular incident brought it on. So. Um, perfect, man. Uh, we could sit and talk about imaging all day and, <laughs> right. and, and those kind of things. So um, I'd love to, to kind of talk about this a little bit. You know, everyone's got different treatment philosophies on how often you should see a, a chiropractor or PT. I'd love to, to kind of dialogue what which which you guys do, and because I think you guys do it well. Uh, you know, how often should someone see a chiropractor? How often should should that happen, right? Or, or when should you see one, for that matter? Yeah. So the the kind of running running thing that, that people have in their mind about chiropractic is, and, and I get this question actually a lot for a lot of my new patients, and they'll come in and say, well, I heard once you see a chiropractor, you have to continue to see them. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think that's kind of people's sales tactics, Yeah. right? So I think, sure. I think that can be... Um, a business plan, not a, a treatment business, plan. Yeah, business plan instead of a treatment plan, I like that. Um, so, so a lot of times people will, and, and we get caught in this this paradigm where you don't want to over-treat yeah. because again, that's a little unethical and, and uh, I personally feel a little slimy about that. Oh, yeah, heck yeah. And, and people know, you know, I, or, or oh. you know, at least a lot of people realize like, why am I being treated so much? I'm not seeing the improvements that I should, yeah. should be seeing. And then, but then we don't want to swing too far the other way and under-treat. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. that's also that's also a big issue, right? People don't progress as, as quickly as they could. Yeah, or an issue them. comes back because we under-treated them. Yeah, and so typically you'll you'll get um, a, diff, a couple different treatment plans based on, on where you go and kind of what their style is. Sure. The way that we do ours at our office, I would say, is, is typically I, I'll treat people probably twice a week for the first two to three weeks. Yeah, super right? hard. I, I wanna make sure that my diagnosis is correct. Yeah, I got absolutely. my I got stuff figured out on my end. And then I wanna kinda of see, sometimes we need to do a little bit of experimentation as far as their home exercises. Absolutely, get it dialed in. Yeah, so so if somebody comes back and, and one exercise didn't work, didn't get us the results we wanted in between, in between visits, then we can then reassess and, and tweak anything we need to do. So, we kind of use that front load technique to where we, we yep. see people early and often, uh, right at the beginning, we make sure everybody's got their stuff figured out and we're on the road to, to getting them feeling better. Yep. And then from there, you know, it becomes, let's see you once a week. Let's see you once a week for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, once they become pain-free, it's let's, let's see you in two weeks just to be sure. Yeah. If they're pain-free from there, it's like, let's push you out a month. Yeah. And most of the time, if I'm pushing out people a month, I'm like, let's see you in a month just to check in, if you're feeling really, really awesome and you don't have anything going on and you're feeling like a rock star, I'm like, let's push you to two months. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and the maintenance care thing is, is also kind of a, a hot issue depending on who sure you talk to. Yeah. I, I'm, um, I'm pretty conservative as far as the maintenance care stuff goes. Yeah. Like I'll push people three or four months you know, so we get something maybe once every quarter. Yeah. Um, and again, that's just kind of making sure that all the joints are unlocked, that we're getting that good shared motion through through all of our joints and through the spine. Absolutely. Um, but again, I want to give people the tools that they need to take care of themselves, and then I want to be a guide and a helper if you if it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, 
you know, front load that a little bit, get, get folks feeling better. Again, making sure your diagnosis is on board, right? Because sometimes it, it's hard to identify a perfect, like, um, you know, a perfect thing that's creating someone's pain, right? we got two or three things in mind. It's like, hey, let's treat them with, with some of these exercises and make sure we're moving on the right track. Yep, we're moving on the right track, great. Let's keep on carrying on and then you drag it out. And, and I think that's appropriate, right? Because then you make sure people are back to their activities, they're back to doing the things that they want to do, and it's, this is not a recurrent issue. It's not coming back. Again, this and, and PT clinics do this all the freaking time. It drives me nuts. Three times a week for three weeks, and then two times a week for six weeks, and you're just like, man, I have been here so many. I'm living here practically. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. And, and I even see that with some, some some of your colleagues as well. And it's it's frustrating to uh, see that you know someone just coming in and they're not making the progress they want. And you're just like, what are we doing? We're all beating our heads against the wall right now. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing that we commonly see is people that uh, want to come back in, you know, asymptomatic people that want to yeah. come back in. And we, we like those patients, you sure. know, as, as far as um, making sure, and these tend to be the people that are into, you know, more athletic endeavors, right, yep. the, the regular athletes, we sure. know that they need more, they need more care, right? They're kind yep. of beating up on their bodies. Absolutely. Um, so we don't mind if those people come in and see us yeah. a little bit more frequency as far as uh, maintenance care goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just because they need it. Yeah, I, I think maintenance is a totally reasonable thing, right? So long, again, so long as it's not a weekly thing, I think that that's over the top. But again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody wanting to stay on top and be be proactive rather than reactive for an injury. It's kind of, I mean, we see some folks on some maintenance as well, right? Hey, but again, it, it always has to come back to: Are we giving you tools to manage these symptoms as well, or are we just bringing you in just to bring you in, right? And I think that that's what separates somebody who's just doing maintenance for the heck of it and somebody who's actually doing maintenance to actually maintain what they yeah, got, you know? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you uh, get into this, but sometimes I'll send a patient home with an exercise that I'm not 100% sure Sure, on. yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, ah, I'm pretty sure this is going to help them, but I can't say yeah. for sure. Yeah, And you send it home. So one thing I, one thing I am always like prefacing, I say, I'm going to send you home with this exercise. I say, if you come back, if you come back to me in two, three, five, whatever, however, however many days, and you're no better, I say, we've learned what it isn't. Yeah. Right? We've right. knocked off one exercise from the list. And so, like, one thing I always emphasize is we're always learning. Always. Right? So, while it may be discouraging that you go home and you contribute so much time to this exercise and it doesn't help, we're still knocking things right off the list. Yeah. And absolutely. I think, that's, I think that's pretty important for people to hear just... You know, because sometimes the exercise you send with people doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but okay. the last thing you want them to do is, is you know, show back up or, or I guess not show, not back, show back up, up yeah. because it didn't work. Yeah. And I think that's tough too, again, and I, I've used this example with patients a lot too. It's like, dude, we're not cars, right? I can't just say, hey, I'm going to change your, your transmission because that's the part that's broken and then you're going to be better afterwards. It's like, dude, there's so many things that go into exercises and exercise progressions I mean, I've given exercises to patients and it didn't work, right? Like you said, you got to tweak it and modify it. And that's the, the purpose of being under a, a chiropractor or PT's care is to be able to guide you through that and modify as needed. Right. And, and people ask me that all the time too. You know, and I post a ton of content on Instagram and people are like, oh, that's great. You know, what's an exercise for this? And it's, I'm like, it's not that simple. You know, again, sometimes these things don't work. <laughs> sometimes we have to tweak and modify and, and what works for you doesn't work for another person. Yeah. And you, so you give, you give a lot of presentations. Yeah. At yeah. Places. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I'm always seeing you post, post, uh, you know, I did a little clinic at this gym yep, and yep. I, I've done a handful of those too. It's always funny when people, you open up the floor for questions at the end. Always. 
and you always get that person to raise their hand and you're like, okay, yeah, what do you got for me? And they're like, I have foot pain. What should I do? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm like, like, how long do you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you're like, uh, okay. You're like caught off guard. Like, yeah, yeah. How much time do we have? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's always like, that's always, and, and you can't blame them. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cause they're curious. Right. right. They want to know what's going on. <laughs> right. But that's always like something that's, that's always a really funny interaction for me always. To, to sit through is just like, well, um, let's see. And you have to do that. <laughs> You have to do that, you know, one minute words only history and exam, and yeah. then you're just like, oh, I don't know, I'll send them home with this exercise. Try this. Yeah, yeah, give it a give it a go, and you yeah. have no idea whether or not that's, it actually. That's, that's uh, going through that stuff such a crapshoot, but I, I do find it it's always a fun social interaction. To sure, have yeah. at the yeah. end of a presentation, always you're just like, oh boy, this is uh, this is tough. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I think people don't realize that. Oh, it's just not as simple. Is that and that, I mean that's why I tell people all the time it's like dude if you're injured go see somebody you know like don't sit and be yeah. injured quit trying to watch Instagram videos and like if you've dealt with this for more than a couple of weeks it's like dude go see somebody yeah and I, I don't know that I ever addressed that question you had asked that when when's the best time to see yeah 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 um, full circle there I like it and so there's yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm just now realizing I, I just ignored that one uh, so there's there's a couple different criteria that you might look for if you're having pain like pretty intense pain that's getting progressively worse within a short period of time, I would say see somebody quick. Yeah, on it. Get Physical on therapist, it. chiropractor, just just go. Let's Find somebody you trust. Figure it out because the, the last thing you want is for it to get worse. Yeah. You know, worse and worse and worse. Um, a lot of times it can be tricky if things are getting better with time. Yeah. So that can kind of be like, you know, I, I generally... I might say a good general timeline is like two weeks and you you, you might speak on this yeah. as well like if somebody's dealing with pain that's getting slightly slightly better over the last two weeks you know you might but it's not gone all the way you might look at seeing somebody yeah um, and then as far as like as far as recurrent issues we know that the biggest predictor of injury is previous injury yeah absolutely so if you've dealt with uh, knee pain in the past it's there's a an increased chance that you'll have knee pain in the future. Yep. The last thing I want for people to do if, if they have had knee pain and they're having knee pain again is like try to wait it out for an excessively long period of time. Yeah. That's a stuff gets torn. Yeah. So it's like it's like if you know that this is kind of a problem area for you, I would rather see you a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I typically say two to four weeks for something. You know, two weeks, if, if something hasn't got better in two weeks with your kind of continued activity or a little bit of modification or a little bit of rest, it's like probably not going to get better on its own, right? Yeah. You can sit and, and do like, and it may progressively be getting better, but it's still pretty intense. It's like you can deal with pain for the next 10 to 12 weeks and run the risk of tearing something or, or other serious injury. Or you can say, dude, let's go see somebody get peace of mind, get moving on the right track and back to activity a heck of a lot faster than yes, somebody who's... Yeah, just speed things along. Dude, it's like we can help accelerate, you know, both of our professions can help accelerate people's recovery tenfold. And I get it, you know, you, people have been jaded so much in the past where they're just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go spend the money for somebody just to tell me not to work out. I can do that on my own. And it's like, yeah, find a good provider who's not going to tell you to do those things. Right. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, two to four weeks, I think, is usually what we tell people as well. And it's always dependent. And then, I, 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 you know, if you got some other major things going on, if it's super intense, just go see somebody now. You got numbness and tingling, it's like, dude, go see somebody now. Yeah. It's like, those are those are always things to, to look out for. But hey, I'm conservative too. You know, if, stuff, if something goes away in two weeks, it's like, yeah, you didn't need to see me anyways, right? 
But if this is you've dealt with this three or four bouts now, it's like, yeah, go see somebody. Right. But uh, hit the nail on the head. All right, let's finish up with this one. What would you say separates a good chiropractor from a bad chiropractor? Yeah, okay. Yeah, another, we, we could be here all night again. <laughs> right. So, so one, one, I think you always need to find, and this is for any medical provider, you always need to find somebody who, who you, like, click with. Yeah. Right? So medical providers are like financial advisors, uh, which are like good mechanics. You, you need to vibe with them. You need to get the feeling that they're a good person. Yeah. Um, first and foremost. And then, you know, some things that I find important, you know, and, and that I kind of value is, do we have workarounds? Yeah. So again, we, we keep many tools in our toolbox. I see plenty of people who come to me as a chiropractor, but they get a little bit uh, freaked out by the idea of, of again, having their joints manipulated and yeah. they, they don't particularly enjoy the chiropractic adjustment. Yeah. And so I have other tools in the tool bag and I say, you know, let's, let's use those. Um, in, in place of what I got. So do they have some workarounds, right? Yeah, uh, that's great. You know, some people are um, kind of one trick ponies in my mind. Yeah. And while that, that trick might be, <laughs> while that trick might be a, a damn good trick, yeah. it's not gonna, it's not gonna amuse everybody, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not gonna work for everybody. It's about like a monkey uh, flipping a, a coin in the corner, right? Yeah. You know, is it gonna work today, is it not? I don't know, sure. let's flip that coin. Yeah, so do they do they have workarounds is, is pretty important for me and, and you know, and I would, I would also consider the same if I was having pain. Do they have workarounds? Um, yeah. And then another important thing in my mind is, is do they have a plan and do they have an exit strategy? Yeah, that's great. That's so huge. That's something, again, that we harp on uh, the first visit that I say, you know, as I'm rescheduling people, I say, hey, here's how we do this. Here's, here's what I'm thinking at this point based on what I've seen. We're going to front load your treatment. We're going to get you feeling good. Make sure I have my stuff correct. Make sure you're set at home. And then, you know, I'll see you, you know, normally I see this type of problem anywhere from X to Y amount of visits. Yep. And if we're not there, if we're not there by that many visits, then we, we're going to, you know, definitely reconsider things. Maybe have somebody come onto the team that, you know, send you yeah. out for imaging or whatever. Exactly. exactly. Um, but I always highlight that there's an, there's an exit strategy. Yeah, it's huge. You know what I mean? So um, I, would, I would also be wary of the people that, that do want to treat you for life. Yeah, seriously. And and I have no. I want to treat people for life. Yeah. But not. Yeah. Not every week of their life. Exactly. Not, every, not even every month of their life. Yeah. Exactly. I want them to come back when they're they're feeling a little bit out of whack. When they yep. when, when they want to make sure things are, are moving again. Um, but yeah. So a, a plan and an exit strategy is definitely important to me too. Yeah. I you hit the nail on the head, and I I would echo all of that from a PT standpoint too. And again, any medical provider, I think you left it open for any medical provider. It's like, dude, uh, I think the only one that I would probably add to that would be like, dude, get somebody who understands and appreciates your sports, who, who's an ally for you or, or, or what you want to do, right? I mean, if you've got somebody, and we've already mentioned this several times in the podcast, and I get it so much, which is why I like harping on it, but it's like, dude, if you've got somebody who's overweight, who's never lifted uh, weights in their life, and you're trying to lift weights, and they're telling you to stop lifting weights... Maybe you should find somebody else, right? Yeah. Or, or they're telling you, hey, running's dangerous and it's bad for your joints and you should never do it and they don't run themselves. It's like, no, get somebody who can give you some tools. Like, hey, maybe you increase your, your, your running cadence, you decrease your stride length, or hey, for deadlifts, maybe you uh, maybe you go partial range and you don't take it all the way from the floor or, or you know, whatever it might be. Get get somebody that's gonna be an ally for you rather than just beat you over the head and take stop doing stuff, because that sucks for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're uh, you're 
ant can tell you if something hurts, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? I, like that's yeah. that doesn't take a genius to figure out. You know, if yeah. something hurts, don't do it. But if you really love to do it, you you should have a have a, again a plan to get back to it. Absolutely. And I sit people I sit people out of things for a while. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes um, you have to. Yeah, but that's that's you know again that's the minute they they feel like they're ready and I I think they're ready. I'm like yeah, let's dabble, let's dabble, let's get back to it. Exactly. Let's try it. So. I guess, I guess, you know, to, to really, if I could put one word on like what I'm looking for and what I want people to get out of my, my treatment and stuff, patient empowerment. Yeah, like I huge. want them to feel empowered. Like they can yeah. take care of themselves. Like, like I'm giving them the tools, like they can handle, you know, they can handle being in this pain, yeah. progressing through it. And, and they just, uh, you know, they feel empowered. Yeah. And, you, and, and you're on their team. I feel the same way. You know, it's like, can I empower you and can I give you the tools uh, to, to manage this and, and get where you want to go? And do we have a clear game plan in mind as opposed to you just coming in here and let's do the same freaking exercises, three sets of 10 for the next 10 weeks. <laughs> Uh, that's a problem. So, Brandon, man, I appreciate your time, dude. This has been a fun podcast. Yeah, I think we could bet. probably sit and talk for four hours about misconceptions of the right. medical field and among your profession and mine as well. And, uh, man, do, do you have any uh, social media info or if we want to get in touch with uh, with kind of y'all's practice? And we'll post all this stuff in the uh, in the comments, of course, as well. And, uh, man, it would be great to uh, kind of plug that, that info there. I know uh, I kind of caught you off guard there with that. Yeah, one, but, so we uh, are we are uh, on Instagram and, and Facebook, of course. We're we're a little bit more active on Instagram. Yeah, um, just because we, we kind of like that platform a little bit better. But we are at Spine Sport Nash. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, we'll post all that stuff in there. We'll post y'all's website, and then uh, that's great, man, dude. Thanks for your time, and uh, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Don't forget, educate yourself, surround yourself with positivity, and take care of your body. It's the only one you get. Education is the key to a stronger and healthier you, one person and one community at a time. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and leave us comments. If you want to find out more about us and how to maximize your health and performance, check out our clinic on Instagram at Momentum underscore Sports PT or at MomentumSportsPT.com.